right, welcome in to another episode of Farzcast. Farzine Vasukian here with you. And it is March. March Madness is in full swing. NFL free agency is in full swing. A lot going on in the sports world. Excited to be with you for another episode of Farzcast. Hope you're all doing well. If you're on spring break, if you're taking a break from school, work, whatever it may be, props to you guys. Enjoy your vacation. Definitely appreciate you making this part of your spring break. So hopefully you guys are all enjoying that if uh, you're taking part in spring break. If your spring break already happened or if it's coming up soon, well, hopefully you guys all get to enjoy that. Or hopefully you already got to enjoy that nonetheless. All right. You guys know the social media, Facebook. We are streaming live on Facebook. I see you guys coming into the live stream. Facebook.com slash Farzivasugian at uh, Farzine21 on Twitter at Farzivasugian on Instagram. All the uh, all the links are in the description for the podcast for those of you listening to the archived version. So make sure you guys check that out and follow me on social media if you haven't already. Hope you guys are doing well. Went to the Big 12 championship game on Saturday. Saw the KU game against Texas. KU got destroyed in the second half. Uh, but nonetheless, it was a lot of fun to go. It was my first time going to downtown, uh, the downtown arena, T-Mobile Center, since they changed their name. They changed their name in 2020. Obviously, that year, they, they didn't have a whole lot going on because of the pandemic. So, didn't go there for quite some time. Uh, so, it, it was definitely different going back. Uh, you know what's crazy is I've been, to, I, I've been downtown before a few times for the uh, Big 12 tournament festivities. Uh, but never as a fan. I've always been working there. Uh, I went several years ago as a member of the media. Uh, had a lot of fun uh, going there for the first time. I thought it was real cool finally getting a chance to experience the Big 12 tournament and all the uh, – just had an entire uh, atmosphere. And I actually – because I was a member of the media, I actually got to be there for uh, more than just one game. Got to check out the end of whatever uh, – whoever KU was playing before – uh, the KU game tipped off, and then after the KU game. So kind of got to stick around, go backstage a little bit, kind of check out the whole thing. Um, it was pretty cool. And then, I, as some of you guys know, I used to work in media production. So uh, I, I was there for the Elite Eight game, as well as a Big 12 game. Uh, the Elite Eight game, that was KU-Oregon. Obviously, it did not end the way any Jayhawks fan wanted it to. And some of you guys were probably happy about that, though. Um, but uh, either way... Uh, it was fun to finally experience uh, a Big 12 tournament game as a fan sitting in the crowd. Uh, it, listen, I, I think it's an awesome event, and I know I talked about this last episode, so I'm not going to get into this too much here on this episode, but, man, um, they got to do something with that arena downtown. They've got to bring in a pro sports team. Uh, obviously, the uh, the goal was to get the Pittsburgh Penguins, uh, and they ended up staying in, in Pittsburgh, which, hey, good on them. I think that's what they wanted ultimately, but... That arena's been there for a while, and I know they're happy with the uh, results so far. I mean, one of the busiest arenas in America since it opened. Uh, they're obviously very concert-centric, but you can still have concerts and also do a lot of sporting events as well. I remember when the UFC came to Kansas City, it was on a Saturday. There was a concert the night before, uh, the Friday night before. They had the UFC fights on Saturday, and then they had another concert on Sunday. So you can have a sports tenant, and you can also continue to put on concerts there or other events, whatever, Monster Jam, uh, you know, whatever else they, they, they bring in there. 
Disney on Ice, you know, those, those kinds of things. I know Big Slick does their event at the Sprint Center or T-Mobile Center now uh, once a year. Um, it's doable, but I don't know. I guess the city's not really focusing on trying to bring in a pro sports team. Hopefully that changes in the future. Before we get started, just want to say happy 316 to all of you guys. If you guys know Stone Cold Steve Austin, 316, give me a hell yeah. Drinking his beer right here, Broken Skull IPA. If you guys know me, you guys know I love a good IPA. This is actually one of my favorite beers. So cheers to all of you guys. 316 day. If you guys don't, if you guys haven't had a Broken Skull IPA, you got to get it. They have the double IPA now. I really got to get my hands on that. I heard it's really good. They also have the, uh, the lager as well, which is pretty good. So there you have it. Check it out if you guys haven't done so already. All right, a lot to get to here on this episode. I see some of you guys asking about the Chiefs. I will get into that shortly. Going to talk about the Chiefs a little bit because there are some Chiefs fans panicking a little bit about a lot of the free agent losses. I'm telling you guys, just relax. The Chiefs have a plan. I think I know what that plan is. And I think you guys are going to like it when I explain it in detail. The AFC West has been making some interesting moves, especially at the quarterback position. One NFL quarterback has been making a lot of news lately. The wide receiver market is very interesting as well. And the Bengals signed Orlando Brown Jr. And they are very confident that this is the missing piece to their puzzle that will finally lead them to getting a Super Bowl. That is comical. I will get into that. Later on. I agree with you, Jennifer. I hope the Chiefs keep Jarek McKinnon as well. I'm fine with losing Juju. But uh, Jarek McKinnon, man, that guy needs to come back. All right. Let's get into it. Will the Chiefs be okay? Will the Chiefs be okay? Everyone, you know, I shouldn't say everyone, but a lot of people are, um, let's just say some people are hitting the panic button. Juju's gone. Uh, probably the toughest loss so far in free agency. Michael Burton's going to Denver. Colin Saunders going to New Orleans. Orlando Brown Jr., although I don't think a lot of people are losing sleep over Orlando Brown Jr. Some people are still viewing it as a loss. Andrew Wiley on his way to Washington. Juan Thornhill is on his way to Cleveland. Frank Clark appears to be going somewhere. Same with McCole Hardman. Uh, a lot of people just feel like that the Chiefs are losing a lot of guys. Let me remind you. Michael just said losing Juju is bad Juju. Yeah, it is bad Juju. I agree. I, I, I miss him. Some people did not like his antics after the Super Bowl. Man, I love that shit. You want to talk shit, dude? Go, go for it. I loved every second of that. I thought the TikTok video with the whole Chinese thing was a little cringe, but neither here nor there. Um, are the Chiefs going to be okay? Folks, let's understand something. How are you going to build a football team? Remember 13 years ago, everyone was talking about the Patriot way in Kansas City because you got Scott Pioli and then you got Charlie Weiss and Romeo Cornell and Matt Castle. You had all these guys from the Patriots organization and people thought the the Chiefs were going to be the next New England Patriots. No, the Chiefs are implementing the Patriot way right now. And I'll get into how they're doing that shortly. But let me just go over this quickly. Are you going to win another championship in the future by keeping Juju, Burton, Saunders, Orlando Brown, Thornhill, Clark, Hardman, Wiley, 
I mean, a couple of those guys you probably really want to keep, like Frank Clark. I mean, that guy, I know his inconsistency has been an issue, but in the postseason, man, this guy, he's he's got a chance to break the postseason career sacks record. McCole Hardman, I, I mean, I know he missed some games last year, but when he's on the field and when used properly, man, he can do he can do some damage. But at the end of the day, you got to pick and choose who you're going to keep. You can't keep everyone. A lot of these guys want to get paid. Some of these guys just won their second Super Bowl. And if they want to get re-signed by the Chiefs, they're going to want some money. They, they're going to want a big bag. And unfortunately, Brett Veach cannot afford every single guy that is a free agent right now. You're going to lose some guys. Let me just, let me explain what Brett Veach has done. And this is why I, I'm trying to stay confident in Veach. If you guys remember, um, when John Dorsey was fired and when Brett Veach took over, the Chiefs were in salary cap hellhole. And I think what Brett Veach did, he did a tremendous job of getting the Chiefs out of that hole and put together some very team-friendly deals, obviously signed Mahomes to a great deal and has restructured that deal multiple times. Travis Kelsey's been signed long-term already. And he's also rebuilt an offensive line in one season after a very devastating performance from the offensive line in Super Bowl 55. Yeah, you had a lot of backups, but still. The Chiefs rebuilt that in one offseason. And it wasn't always perfect, but the Chiefs found a way to make it better at the end of the day. Let me explain what I think Brett Veach is doing. Because I know a lot of you guys are heartbroken about losing Juju. I am as well. I was a huge fan of him before uh, before he came to Kansas City. I was a big fan of his in Pittsburgh. Um, Colin Saunders, I really like the guy. I wish he had more snaps during his time in Kansas City. Juan Thornhill, um, kind of an up-and-down guy, but I think did more, more good than bad. Same with Frank Clark. Same with McCole Hardman. But again, the reality is you can't keep everyone. So what are the Chiefs doing? Who are the Chiefs keeping? What is the plan? When you have an elite quarterback like Patrick Mahomes, and obviously the Chiefs have an elite quarterback like Patrick Mahomes, you need to maximize his entire time in Kansas City as much as possible. And I think you do that if you're willing to spend a lot of money at the offensive line position. You're already paying Joe Tooney. You just paid Jawan Taylor. It's uncertain right now exactly if Jawan Taylor is going to be a right tackle or a left tackle. But let me say this. There is nothing wrong with throwing a lot of money at a player to play right tackle. If it ensures that your quarterback, your elite quarterback, your superstar quarterback is going to deal with less pass rushers ultimately, that's the lottery right there for a football team. Because here's how things work, folks. You might be wondering, you know, how do you keep everyone then? Yeah, that's a great question. Especially if you go after Laramie Tunsil. Because then you got to worry about making sure you can keep Creed Humphrey and Trey Smith. Okay, what about after that? What about guys like Chris Jones next year? What about Nick Bolton? What about Willie Gay, Legereus Need, Marquez Valdez-Scantling, Kadarius Toney? Uh, and then after that, you got to think about Carl Loftus, Jalen Watson, Sky Moore. I mean, being a general manager, yeah, sure, it's it's nice when you're winning and all, 
But when you are winning so much, these are the kinds of things you deal with. These are the challenges great teams deal with. Uh, Ten years ago, the Chiefs did not have these kinds of challenges. Ten years ago, the Chiefs were a 2-14 and football team trying to bring in players to Kansas City. The 10-year anniversary of bringing Alex Smith to Kansas City was just uh, uh, earlier this week. I think on Monday to be exact. Here's what the New England Patriots did. Obviously, they had Tom Brady for 18 years. Now, like Brady, Patrick Mahomes has a very team-friendly deal. And like I said, he just restructured it for a third time recently. He has a ton of money coming in from endorsements. So it's not like Patrick Mahomes is money hungry. So that certainly helps your case when you're trying to build a good football team. So I mentioned the Patriots had Tom Brady for 18 years. Okay, who else did the Patriots keep long term? Here are some notable guys. Left tackle Matt Light had him for 11 seasons. Left tackle Nate Soldier, he also played a little bit of right tackle. They had him from 2013 to 2017. Right tackle Marcus Cannon, he played for the Patriots for five years. They had Sebastian Vollmer, for the center for a few years. Guard Logan Mankins was there for about seven or eight years. Same with Dan Coppin. Joe Tooney, Chiefs fans know who Joe Tooney is. This guy was criminally underrated during his time in New England. You know what all of those guys have in common that I just mentioned? They're all on the Patriots All-Dynasty team. Look this up if you haven't already. It's actually a really cool list to look up. Obviously, we all know about the Patriots. They won six rings in 18 seasons. The guys I just mentioned, um, some of them were only there for about three, four, five years. But then you have guys like uh, Volmer, Mankins, Light, who offensive linemen who were there for a very long time. Who did Brady have to, to throw to? He had Troy Brown. He had Wes Welker. He had Randy Moss, Julian Edelman, Daniel Graham, Rob Gronkowski. Let's talk about some of these guys in their careers, shall we? Troy Brown did not have a 1,000-yard season until Tom Brady was throwing to him in 2001. Wes Welker, he played for two teams before he joined the Patriots, and then he played for another two teams after he left New England. His best years, by far, were with Tom Brady. Welker is a four-time All-Pro player. All of them as a member of the New England Patriots. Wes Welker was never an All-Pro player outside of Kansas or outside of New England. Excuse me. Now let's talk about Daniel Graham. Probably not the most notable name on this uh, Patriots All Dynasty list, uh, but he was a good end zone threat. For the Patriots. When he went to Denver, he was not ever able to produce the same way. Danny Amendola, I know, was never a major threat in the NFL. He had one solid season in St. Louis. But was a far more productive player in New England. Look at Julian Edelman and Rob Gronkowski, okay? Um, They had good numbers because they spent their entire careers... With Tom Brady. I think Edelman played one season without Tom Brady. After Brady left for, for Tampa Bay. So those guys spent their entire careers with uh, with Tom Brady. But what about a guy like... Like Amendola. Okay. Look up his numbers. They weren't great ever in his career. Even as a Patriot. But he was far better with the Patriots. Than he was with the Rams. Or any other team. I think the only player... That was good... Without Tom Brady 
was Randy Moss. Randy Moss already had a Hall of Fame career before Tom Brady. Before playing with Tom Brady, I should say. Let me give you another example. Peyton Manning. Everyone knows what kind of a career Peyton Manning had in Indianapolis. He goes to Denver. Does anybody remember Julius Thomas? Who the hell is Julius Thomas, some of you might be asking. Julius Thomas is a tight end that played for the Broncos. In 2011 and 2012, Julius Thomas barely did anything. Uh, Dealt with some injuries, but again, barely played. In 2013, I believe that was Peyton Manning's second year with the Broncos. Julius Thomas balls out. He scores 12 touchdowns for the for the Broncos in, in 2012. Or excuse me, in 2013. In 2014, Julius Thomas scored another 12 touchdowns. Now, what happened after 2014? Julius Thomas left Denver for the Jacksonville Jaguars for two years. And then after that, played for the Dolphins for one year. In those three years with Jacksonville and Miami, he scored 12 touchdowns. He scored 12 touchdowns in 2013 and again in 2014. And after that, he only got 12 more the rest of his career. Why? Because Peyton Manning was throwing to him in 2013 and 2014. So the same thing applies here, folks. Patrick Mahomes, I think, can throw the ball to just about anybody. He already has had big games with guys like Albert Wilson in his NFL debut against the Broncos. Demarcus Robinson, McCole Hardman. Remember when Tyree Kill got injured early in the first quarter of the 2019 season and ended up missing the rest of that game plus four more games? Well, what did Patrick Mahomes do? He balled out with Sammy Watkins in that week one game. He balled out with Demarcus Robinson the next two games after that. He had a big game with McCole Hardman in another one of those games as well. So, Patrick Mahomes, yeah, you know, people love to make a big deal. Oh, he had Tyree Kill and Travis Kelsey. Yeah, he did. Travis Kelsey and Tyree Kill were already elite players before Patrick Mahomes took over for Alex Smith. But if you look at the numbers Kelsey and Hill had before Mahomes, so in 2016 and 2017, for instance, there were good numbers. They just weren't. The same when Patrick Mahomes started playing in 2018, both Hill and Kelsey, their numbers soared, went even uh, went more up. Tyreek Hill owns the franchise record for receiving yards in a single season. Travis Kelsey, he broke the NFL record for most receiving yards by a tight end in one year, not once, but twice, all doing it with Patrick Mahomes throwing the football to them. People love to make it be, oh, Patrick's only good because he's an Andy Reid system and he has uh, Tyree Kill and Travis Kelsey. Well, Tyree Kill and Travis Kelsey, yeah, they were good already. Uh, great, I should say. But their numbers were even better with Patrick Mahomes. Just like Tom Brady, Peyton Manning, and I'd, even, I'd, I'd include Aaron Rodgers on this list. Patrick Mahomes makes everyone else around him better. Here's my point. Just give him the best offensive line in the NFL. Even if it means giving up your first-round pick, even though you're hosting the draft, if the Texans want the first-round pick for Laramie Tunsil, man, go give it to them. Go get Laramie Tunsil. 
You know, I I love this city, and I I, I think it's going to be a special moment to have that first-round draft pick here in Kansas City, but if it means giving it up to get Laramie Tunsil, man, go do it. You need that right now for your football team. You need to make sure Patrick Mahomes is protected from left to right at all five positions at the offensive line. And again, you might be wondering, I asked the question earlier, I didn't answer it. You guys are maybe asking, well, what about guys like Nick Bolton, Willie Gay, Chris Jones, Jarius Sneed, uh, the receivers, the all these other positions. What do you, Isaiah Pacheco, eventually you got to think about. What do you do then? Well, maybe you don't end up resigning all of them. Maybe you can resign some of those guys to team-friendly deals. That'd be great. But I think if you're Brett Veach, Brett Veach has hit a home run in the draft two years in a row. Keep in mind, two years ago, he didn't have a first-round pick. Gave it up to get Orlando Brown Jr. What did he find? He found some studs outside of the first round. He got Creed Humphrey. He got Trey Smith. Two studs at the offensive line. He found an elite and criminally underrated linebacker in Nick Bolton. And then look at this past year's draft. George Karloftis. uh, uh, Trent McDuffie. In fact, a bunch of rookies showed up in that AFC Championship game. Brett Veach has done a tremendous job the last two drafts filling in holds that the team needs. So listen, if you lose, for example, a guy like Nick Bolton in the near future, or I shouldn't say near future, but in a couple of years, then I I trust Brett Veach will fill that void in the draft or maybe just find a second-tier guy in free agency. And bring him in for a couple of years. So listen, maybe as much as I love Isaiah Pacheco, there's a good chance the Chiefs might not re-sign him. I see Michael in the comments saying never re-sign a running back. Just depends on the situation at the time when you when you cross that bridge. But, you know, uh, look at Juju. I think he was productive up until that concussion. He was starting to pick up the offense after, you know, kind of a slow start. But the Chiefs did not want to keep him long term. They want to focus, I think, on the offensive line. I don't know what's going to happen with Jawan Taylor. I think Jawan Taylor would be better at right tackle. I'm not a fan of switching guys from right to left. They did this with Orlando Brown. Um, Kind of surprised the Bengals are going to keep him at left tackle. Uh, We'll talk about that later. But you look at what the Chiefs are doing right now. Um, I think they're either going to make a play for Laramie Tunsil or they're going to draft a left tackle in the first round. I think that's what's going on. Yeah, maybe you get DeAndre Hopkins. I don't know. It would ultimately depend on what he's asking for. I'm sure the Cardinals are going to ask for a high price. So you want to make sure you you do the right thing there. Uh, Adam Thielen, yeah, he's available. Yeah, Joshua says DeAndre Hopkins is coming. Um, I, I think if the deal is right, and listen, I, I know I criticized some Chiefs fans recently talking about, oh, for a cheap price. Listen, the only – give it let – me, let me step back, actually. I think the most important game – in Chiefs history, is Super Bowl 55. I know that's not a popular comment to make, but I think Super Bowl 55 is by far the most important night in franchise history. 
Mahomes got his ass kicked in that game. He was running for his life, was still making big plays happen. You know, he hit two receivers in the end zone. He had Tyreek Hill, and he had, I think, Damian Williams or Daryl Williams. Daryl Williams, I think it was. But he had to run around so much in that game. What if the offensive line was a little bit better in that game with pass blocking? Patrick Mahomes probably has an easier time moving the ball downfield and making it a better game. What did the Chiefs do after Super Bowl 55? They revamped that entire offensive line. And Brett Veach deserves a ton of credit for that. Because in that moment, man, all Chiefs fans were thinking of that offseason. How in the hell do we rebuild that offensive line? Made a really bold move by releasing both Eric Fisher and Mitchell Schwartz. But you know what? It worked out, man. It really did. Lucas Niang, before his injury, was great. Creed Humphrey and Trey Smith. I mean, those guys were great rookies. Still playing very well. I mean, those guys have barely taken a step back. The only position you really complained about, left tackle spot. Right tackle, you know. Well, listen, what are you expecting from Andrew Wiley? The guy's not asking for top dollars. So, yeah, as frustrating as it was that he was a starter, it's not like the guy was demanding so much money before the season. Whereas with Orlando Brown, and I think it's ludicrous the Chiefs even were willing to offer Orlando Brown $139 million for six years. Thank God. Uh, or OBJ's agent uh, declined that. But ultimately, um, if the Chiefs can set their offensive line, guess what? You're set for a few years. Yeah, I agree with you. Feach did, uh, did, did do a, a hell of a job rebuilding that offensive line. And I think there's still some work to be done, and I trust that he'll be able to fix that because you need to fill those two gaps at offensive tackle. Here's my thing. Moving forward, I, and I trust the Chiefs are going to find a left tackle. Either it's going to be Larry Tunsil or they're going to draft someone early. And when I say early, I mean the very first round. Whenever you have a free agent at the offensive line, Creed Humphrey, Trey Smith, whoever, those guys need to be priority number one in bringing back. If the Chiefs lose Juju Smith-Schuster and they end up building the best offensive line in the NFL going into 2023, I'm good with it. I really am. I love Juju. I want him to stay. But again, you just cannot keep everyone. This is what Belichick did in New England. He made sure that his superstar quarterback was happy with the offensive line he had. And the Patriots had a great offensive line. Manning had a great offensive line in Denver and in Indianapolis. Same with Rodgers in Green Bay. And as long as those quarterbacks had a great offensive line, and they all did, they were able to make the rest happen. They, those guys were able to throw to anybody. How many, how many receivers, how many different receivers did Tom Brady have in New England? He had a lot of different receivers, and he was able to win with all of them. Peyton Manning had a lot of different receivers in Denver and in Indianapolis. He was able to win with all of them. Yeah, that's a really good point, Joshua, about John Ross and even Justin Ross. Um, those are guys that have a lot of hype. You know, I think those guys might be, um, I think the Chiefs might be banking on those guys be becoming secret weapons. Um, 
Justin Ross could be a major steal. And I go on um, CBS Sports Radio a couple of times to talk to uh, Jordan McDonald. Uh, He does uh, a show Saturday nights for CBS Sports Radio. And I remember he asked me once about Justin Ross uh, and uh, what the future was with him. Uh, I didn't have much of an answer because, you know, we really didn't know because he was dealing with the injury. But the curiosity is out there, even outside of Kansas City is my point. So the Chiefs have some things to do. Uh, I I mean, they got to make sure they get their left tackle. I think they've got a right tackle in Joan Taylor. Maybe he plays left tackle. I don't know. I, I, I prefer he say at right tackle. And again, folks, I don't care how much money you want to throw at right tackle. If it ensures that you're, you're keeping your superstars quarterback uh, jersey clean, good. Spend all that money. I don't care. I just want them to have the best offensive line during Mahomes' tenure in Kansas City. Because if you have Patrick Mahomes for the next 10 years, great. It doesn't mean anything if you don't have the best pass-blocking offensive line. you got to have the best pass-blocking offensive line. Otherwise, you're going to waste a lot of years with the best quarterback in the NFL. We all know what he's capable of. The guy just had a monster year without Tyree Kill and arguably the two worst offensive tackles in the NFL. Both uh, Orlando Brown Jr. and Andrew Wiley, they led the NFL among offensive tackles and pressures allowed. And Mahomes still kicked everyone's ass. How do you even explain that? What if Mahomes does have two solid offensive tackles? I mean, that's a scary thought. Not for Chiefs fans, but for the fan bases over the 31 other teams, as well as the defensive coordinator for the 31 other teams. I think that's what the Chiefs are doing, folks. I know a lot of Chiefs fans are not happy with some of these. I mean, they're not fan favorites, but they're still, you know, solid pieces that are moving on to other teams. But do you want to keep them or do you want to keep uh, a strong offensive line for your superstar quarterback? Here's another thing to keep in mind. John Dorsey handed monster contracts to Justin Houston and Eric Berry. Remember that? Listen, what Chiefs fan does not love Eric Berry? What Chiefs fan was frustrated with Justin Houston? Those guys were both great players in Kansas. That entire defense, Derek Johnson, Tamba Hali, Sean Smith, Ron Parker, Marcus Peters. I mean, that was a damn good group of of players on defense. How many Super Bowls did you win with those guys? Zero. I think only you went to the AFC Championship one time with Houston and with Barry. Barry barely played that year, though. Uh, but you moved on from all those guys and you started going to three Super Bowls in four years, winning two of them. Go to five AFC Championships uh, without most of those defensive guys. My point is, you're not going to win a Super Bowl by signing. Uh, a safety and a, and a pass rusher to a top dollar contract. I think it's important to keep good players on defense, of course. Um, you know, I, I, I hope Chris Jones stays forever. I hope George Karloftis stays forever. But I don't want a lot of money to be spent on that defensive line. The Chiefs just spent a, a couple of years where they were paying two defensive linemen a bunch of money and Chris Jones and Frank Clark. Um, And again, Frank Clark's been great in the postseason, but has not been consistent in the regular season. So some of that was wasted money, ultimately. Um, Some might disagree with the postseason success, but, you know, here's the thing. You don't want to be paying a fourth of your uh, 
salary to uh, the defensive line. If you are doing that to the offensive line, great, man. Um, you got to pick and choose who you keep. I, I think the Chiefs are obviously choosing to do everything they can to keep Patrick Mahomes and Travis Kelsey, which they've already done. I think they want to do whatever they can to keep Chris Jones long-term. I think you got to keep at least one elite defensive player, especially when Chris Jones was tabbed as a defensive tackle better than Aaron Donald this past year. You got to do whatever you can to keep him. But the offensive line has to be priority number one. Bring in Laramie Tunsil or go find a stud left tackle in the draft. Or maybe you, you think Jawan Taylor is the answer at left tackle. Fine. Maybe, uh, what's his name? I, I mentioned his name earlier. Uh, Lucas Niang. Maybe Lucas Niang is the answer at right tackle. I don't know. Creed and Trey, you got to keep those guys. Brad says, are we worried who we get, or is this just something to do in the offseason? Yeah, just something. Listen, man, it's March. Super Bowls are not won and lost in March, man. What did I say after the Tyree Kill trade? I said the Chiefs will be fine. I said this. I said this many times. I, did, I, 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 said, I said Mahomes is going to win MVP. I said the Chiefs are going to win the Super Bowl. I said that with all kinds of confidence. said it many times. If you guys follow me all in the last year, then you already know this. Tyreek Hill's great. I'd love to have Tyreek Hill back. But not for that deal. Because if you did give Tyreek Hill that money, well, then your odds of keeping Creed Humphrey and Trey Smith and Joe Tooney long-term were not going to be good. Odds were going to be significantly low. They need a run-stopping defensive tackle. But yeah, and I, maybe you do that, do you do that in the draft. Um, or you can maybe find a solid second-tier uh, free agent that can do that, Joshua, for sure. Joe says, did you hear when Jones said he's a chief for life? Yes, I did. I I, I shared that on uh, on social media. Fans love it when players say that kind of thing. Um, now, listen, I think Jones... Michael says Jones is the only defender not ever going anywhere. I, I, I hope so, too. I'm a huge fan of Chris Jones. Uh, the things he did, I know he went a very long time before he got his first career sack. But what he did in Super Bowl 54, I know he didn't get a sack. But, man, that dude was annoying the hell out of Jimmy G. So... You know, the thing that Chris Jones does at that position, he's always been labeled the best interior defensive lineman, not named Aaron Donald. Not anymore. This guy's better than Aaron Donald now. Aaron Donald just signed a massive contract last year that made him the highest paid non-quarterback in the NFL. What kind of money is Chris Jones going to ask for next year? I don't know. Uh, Chris Jones obviously has one more year left on his deal. By the way, after Super Bowl 54... I was one of the very few people saying, you keep Chris Jones. You give him that money because you're not going to find a defensive tackle like him in the draft. Chris Jones is not worth two first-round draft picks. He's not worth giving away for two first-round draft picks. Let me make that clear because you're not going to be able to find a guy like that. I think the only defensive players that are worth paying a lot of money to are the elite pass rushers like Chris Jones. Now, if George Karloffis keeps playing at this pace, is he going to be an elite pass rusher demanding a lot of money? Yeah. 
can the Chiefs afford him? I don't know. That's years away from now. Uh, it's it's really hard to determine if the Chiefs can keep him long term because right now you got to worry about the offensive line. You got two gaps at the offensive tackle. Well, I, sh- I should say one gap now because they got Jawan Taylor. But the left tackle spot is kind of a mystery. Who is it going to be? Is it going to be Jawan Taylor? Is it going to be Larry Tunsil? Is it going to be a rookie? Uh, is it going to be t- uh, Taylor to left and Lucas Dang at right? I don't know. I thought Lucas Dang was awesome in 2020 as a rookie. Um, or I'm sorry, 2021. 2021, pardon me. Because uh, 2020 he was drafted, but he opted out because of the pandemic. But, uh, man, that injury uh, certainly uh, prevented him from from playing. So we'll see what happens if uh, he gets a chance this year. Uh, I would not be opposed. Uh, not at all. I'm also not opposed to him being a depth player. Because, you know, you got to be prepared for injuries. Those things do happen, unfortunately. It's part of sports, all of sports, in a very unforgiving way. I've said that many times. Uh, Teresa said any juju rants. Uh, I miss the guy. But, man, uh, you got to pick and choose who you want to keep. If you guys miss any part of what I said, the uh, podcast version will be available uh, later tonight. Scott says, you think we are done with free agency? Oh, no, of course not, Scott. Uh, free agency just getting started. Um, you know, there's some things to do. I'm, I'm optimistic that they can re-sign Jarek McKinnon. McKinnon did not re-sign until, what, July? Or late June? I mean, he 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 waited quite some time to resign. I don't know what the holdup was. I don't know if that was ever uh, answered or asked or what. Uh, but no, I think the Chiefs are still going to do some things, Scott, for sure. All right, uh, I'll get back to the Chiefs talk a little bit later. Chris is asking Odell Beckham Jr. Yeah, I saw the report that he's uh, the Chiefs are interested in him. I don't know, man. Um, I, I was down for that last year, but the more and more we waited, it's like, look, if you sign the guy in week 18, he's not going to pick up the offense until the season's over if you reach the Super Bowl. Um, at this point, it's like, you know, he's getting older. He's coming off that injury. I don't know. Michael says, what's the name of your podcast? Farscast. Two words, Farscast. Yeah, subscribe to it if you haven't already, guys. Um, whenever there's a new podcast, I do a good job of putting it on my story. So, uh, make sure you guys do check my stories, uh, anytime, um, I, I have something on there. Cause maybe I'll, I'll have, you know, whatever I'll do, put some content on there or I'll post a link to my podcast or something else. So, uh, make sure you guys subscribe to that. If you guys are not able to catch the live podcast, you can definitely check the archive podcast. So again, it's far. If you actually click the about section of this Facebook page, there is an Apple link to that podcast. It's also available on uh, Google, Spotify, just about everywhere where you can uh, download podcasts. So. Check that out. All right, we got to get into some uh, uh, some of these other non-chief stories. Uh, a lot of things still to get to. Jimmy G to the Raiders. I don't know, man. Uh, this is not some massive upgrade here. Is it an upgrade of any kind? Maybe. I, I don't know. Um, I really don't know. I know he's won some playoff games in San Francisco. I know that. But it was he really the primary reason? Like, what were people talking about the past few years in, in San Francisco? I know Brock Purdy was a nice story and all. But even before then, what was San Francisco successful at? Defense. Now, what I just said debunks everything I said about 
how the Chiefs build a football team. Now, still, at the end of the day, the 49ers have not won a Super Bowl. The Chiefs have been to three and won two of them uh, with a good offensive line. The Chiefs had a good offensive line for Super Bowl 54. They added Steven Wisniewski that helped them make a big push. A couple of in-season signings that Brett Veach made, but ultimately... The San Francisco success has not been much of Jimmy G. It's been more because of the defense. Blake's asking, what's my honest opinion about Jawan Taylor? We paid a pretty penny for him. Do you think he is an upgrade? I, I think he's an upgrade for sure. If you guys check my, um, my post from this morning, I posted a graphic comparing... Orlando Brown Jr. to Jawan Taylor. Now, I know it's a left tackle and a right tackle, but that's really all we can go off of right now. Uh, the numbers are not even close. Uh, not even close. Not even close. Um, the amount of pressures and hurries that Orlando Brown Jr. allowed, Jawan Taylor is allowed way less. I love the signing. I'm excited for it. I would prefer... He stays at right tackle. I'm not a fan of switching guys around. Um, you know, if you're going to switch someone from, like, guard to center, like, that's fine. Safety to cornerback or cornerback to safety. That, you know, I, I remember when Chris Jones switched from defensive tackle to defensive end. I was one of the very few people criticizing that. I'm like, why? He's a great interior defensive lineman. Why do you want to play defensive end um, in the 4-3 scheme? Um, and obviously the Chiefs moved them back pretty quickly, um, rightfully so. Uh, I, I'm excited for Juwan Taylor. I really am. I think he's going to. I think he's for sure an upgrade. I hope he stays on right tackle, so the Chiefs can get Larry Tunsil or draft someone. Maybe the Chiefs have a lot of confidence in his abilities to play left tackle, and that they will get uh, Lucas Niang back at right tackle because Lucas Niang was a good right tackle when he played. Uh, injuries were unfortunately concerned. I think the Chiefs are going to give Lucas Nang one more chance. That's a possibility for sure. Um, but going back to the Raiders, look, I, I, the Raiders have great players. They added Jacoby Myers, and I do want to get into the receivers in a moment. But I think, uh, and I think Myers, you know, he's going to be a good number two with Adams there. Josh Jacobs, future is kind of uncertain right now with him. But if he does return, and I think he may, though I don't know, maybe with the addition of Jimmy G, he doesn't want to stay. Because, listen, man, so many of these Raiders players were tired of how things unfolded last year with all the hype the Raiders got last year. They didn't even finish 500. They blew four big leads away. Um, I mean, they were funny to watch as a Chiefs fan, but it's like, man, how do you have all these great players on offense and you just can't do it? I blame a lot of it on Derek Carr. Um, but, man, I mean, they, they were scoring, and then all of a sudden they just stopped scoring. I know the defense was allowing points, but still, the offense has to continue doing its thing as well. Um, listen, I don't know. I, I I don't know if Jimmy G is the answer. I really don't. It, this is, I mean, this just spells desperation on the um on the Raiders' end. So we'll see. They lost Josh Waller. He's on his way to the Giants. Is that a good move or a bad move for the Giants? He's missed fourteen games in two years. I'll tell you what, though. When healthy, if the Chiefs don't have Travis Kelsey, I 100% would want Josh Waller. I, I mean, or I'm sorry, uh, Darren Waller. I said Josh Waller. Darren Waller. Um, I like him a lot. Uh, Got to stay healthy, though. Got to stay healthy. 
another AFC West QB change, Jared Stidham to the Broncos. He signed a two-year, $10 million contract. That is $5 million a year on average. Oh, by the way, they're already paying Russell Wilson a lot of money. Uh, top five money, to be exact, at the quarterback position. Um, Folks, my immediate reaction right there is that Sean Payton, he'll give Russell Wilson a chance, but he may be expecting the worst with him. Because there is zero logic to be paying Russell Wilson all that money and then go sign a backup for $5 million a year. That is not starter money, but that sure as hell is not backup money either. Um, <laughs> uh, that is not... Like, if I'm Russell Wilson, I don't have a smile on my face when I when I hear that. Not one bit. Uh, listen, I think Sean Payton is the right guy in Denver. I really do. I just don't know if he has the quarterback he needs. Uh, look, if, if things don't work out this year... You got to let John Elway go. I'm sorry. I know he means so much to that franchise, but the guy is a terrible executive. He just is. Um, I, I just don't know at the end of the day what you think you're going to accomplish with Russell Wilson in the future if it doesn't work out this year. What has John Elway done? Oh, well, he brought Peyton Manning. Okay, great. Peyton Manning can make anyone look great. Um, who was that Colts coach that got fired years ago? Uh, Colts fire coach, not Frank Reich. Um, boy, uh, get, bear with me one moment. Colts coaching history. What was the name of that guy? Um, after Tony Dungy, who was it? Jim Caldwell, Jim Caldwell. Um, you know, Peyton Manning made him look good for a little bit. Manning leaves and it's for Denver and Caldwell's not doing well and they end up firing him. They bring in Chuck Picano and you know it, it's been a it's been a, a carousel there. Now they they've got Shane Steichen from the uh, from the Eagles, but man, it's like what are you what are you doing in Denver? I know John Elway is a name. Is he a good executive? You know, um, this would be like. You know, what if um, Tony Gonzalez, you know, he's a popular guy in Kansas City. What if he was a general manager? What if he was a terrible one? I think what Denver is so afraid of, and they've got new ownership now, they're worried that firing Elway is going to lead to a, a plethora of backlash in Denver. I don't know. I'm just glad that's not Kansas City situation. I, I, I mean, that is just... Here's my thing. Are there some players that can be good coaches and executives? Sure. Um, I think what happens is when you have an, a guy like Elway, who, again, was a quarterback that won a couple, he had some success in Denver, but that doesn't mean he knows how to run a football team. So I don't really know how, how much longer Denver's going to be patient with him. Aaron Rodgers, he is on his way to the Jets, not officially. The Jets are working on fulfilling his wish list, already bringing in Alan Lazard. 
and I'll get to that right after this. But um, I think this is a good move. I think I think the change of scenery is going to be nice. I think Rodgers is going to be un, in a better situation. Listen, the Jets were playing really well up until the like the last six or seven games they lost in a row. I mean, they were ahead of Buffalo at one point. I think they can be the team to dethrone the Bills in that division if they get Aaron Rodgers. Uh, now, him putting this wish list and telling them to sign Alan Lazard and Odell Beckham Jr. and this person and that person. Remember the movie Borat? When Borat checks in at the hotel and he sits on that that chair and he goes, oh, go do this, go do that. Like, that's Aaron Rodgers right now. He's not even a player for the Jets yet, and he's telling them what to do. Listen, I, I've said this about Patrick Mahomes before. Uh, when the word has gotten out that Mahomes has been telling the, the Chiefs who to draft, apparently he was the one that told the Chiefs to draft Clyde Edwards-Alaire. Look, I don't care if you're Mahomes, Brady, LeBron. I don't care if you are an elite superstar athlete. You are an athlete. You're not a general manager. You're not an executive. You're not in charge of personnel. Just do your job as a player and let those who were hired as a general manager, as the scouts, as the executives, let those guys make the decision. Yeah, this Rodgers move is very similar to the whole Brett Favre thing, Joshua. You are right. Um, it is very similar to that. Um, I mean, it's just kind of funny, like the same exact situation, you know, moving to the Jets. Like, you know, how do you how do you uh, write that up in the NFL script, allegedly? Uh, speaking of receivers, um, the receiver market's very interesting this offseason. Juju Smith-Schuster went from Kansas City to New England and signed a three-year, $33 million contract. Jacoby Myers, who is getting replaced uh, in New England by Juju, he went from New England to Las Vegas. I mentioned him already. He signed the same contract, three years, $33 million. Obviously, the incentives are going to be a little bit different, but still the same contract, ultimately. Alan Lazard from Green Bay to the Jets signed a four-year, $44 million contract. You know what these guys all have in common? On average, they're all going to make $11 million a year. Now, I don't think this was intentionally done by all three of these teams to do it, uh, to, to, to synchronize these contracts like this. I think it's all a big coincidence, but I think it also tells you something, though. What does that tell you, Farzine? Well, look what happened to Devontae Adams and Tyree Kell last year. Those were two massive trades. Uh, Adams went from Green Bay to Vegas, and that did impact Tyreek Hill's situation. Tyreek Hill was traded from Kansas City to Miami, and when those guys got traded, they both signed massive deals. Uh, essentially, uh, Tyreek Hill beat out Devontae Adams' contract. Uh, he was able to get a contract bigger and better than Devontae Adams. I know he just redid his deal. I don't know the specifics, but you get the idea. I think what happened is teams looked at what happened last year with Mahomes without Tyreek Hill, and they said, look, Mahomes just lost Tyreek Hill and had one of the best years he's ever had. He just won a Super Bowl without him. Um, maybe we should, again, when I say we, I'm talking about the NFL GMs. Maybe we should think about not giving receivers what they want, ultimately. I'm not saying Juju, Jacoby, Lazard are all on the same level as Adams and Hill, but what I'm saying is I think teams are going to be cautious with this moving forward because I think those guys all could have asked for more money. I really do. Um, but 
you know, we'll see Adam Thielen. He's available right now. I know some of you guys in the comments have been asking about Adam Thielen, whether or not he could come to Kansas City. I think that's a possibility. I think for sure the Chiefs are considering that. DeAndre Hopkins, the Chiefs have been rumored to be in the Hopkins sweepstakes. Uh, we'll see what they do in that trade uh, possib uh, possibility and uh, what Hopkins ends up uh, getting. Because as soon as you trade for him, you're, you're going to sign him to a deal. I mean, you don't just trade for the guy and let him play for whatever contract he previously had. You want to lock him up long term for sure because he's going to cost you a lot. But I think the receiver market is interesting. So definitely uh, keep an eye on, the, uh, on guys like Thielen and uh, Hopkins for this offseason. Uh, should be very interesting to see how that all pans out. Okay, this is very interesting. So Orlando Brown Jr. leaves Kansas City officially for the Cincinnati Bengals. Man, I'm telling you, if it was up to me, I wish this guy signed with the Raiders. I did not think he was going to go to Cincinnati. I think that's even better than the Raiders. Because um, the Raiders are already terrible. I mean, Jimmy G is their quarterback for crying out loud. Um... But Joe Burrow, in my opinion, he is the second-best quarterback in the NFL. Hey, listen, make no mistake about it. There is a massive gap between one and two right now. Everyone knows, whether they want to admit it or not, everyone knows Mahomes is the best quarterback in the NFL. Now, with the Bengals getting Orlando Brown Jr., Bengals fans seem to think they hit the jackpot with this. What's the reason they point to? Oh, he's made the last four Pro Bowls. <laughs> uh, I can't say that with a straight face. I really can't. Folks, if, you, if it's the year 2023 and you are using Pro Bowls as a measurement of success, you've already failed with this discussion. I, I mean... Listen, Pro Bowl voting is not what it was. This is a massive popularity contest. And listen, unless you're signed up for Pro Football Focus or unless, you know, these stats get shared publicly by PFF, um, there's no way of knowing who's a good offensive lineman and who's not. There just isn't. Um, I, like, think of who, think of your favorite football analyst, okay? If you asked that analyst... To name the five best left tackles, left guards, centers, right guards, and right tackles. They would not be able to name that right away. Okay? They would need to do some research. They would need to look up some of these stats. They need to watch some game film to truly know who the five best players are at all five of the offensive line spots. Orlando Brown is not a top five blocker. Might be a top five run blocker. I know they've got Joe Mixon, despite maybe some certain situations right now. But I think they are a pass for his team with uh, with Joe Burrow and Jamar Chase, right? So Orlando Brown Jr. is not going there to be a, a, a an elite run blocker. He's supposed to be a good pass blocker, which he isn't. He led all offensive tackles and quarterback pressures and hurries allowed last year. He allowed Mahomes to get hurt in the divisional round against Jacksonville. He allowed seven quarterback pressures in the AFC Championship game against the team he is now playing for. And yes, I know, zero sacks, but sacks don't tell the entire story, especially when you have a quarterback as mobile as Patrick Mahomes. And guess what? Joe Burrow ain't a mobile quarterback, folks. He just isn't. So, 
and I know some Bengals fans are sugarcoating all of this. Oh, well, Mahomes takes a while to throw, and Joe Burrow is a quick passer. Okay, we'll see. Keep telling yourself that. And don't say I didn't warn you, because I will remind everyone that I said this. Again, I, I gave his props when he, you know, the zero sacks and the Super Bowl and all that. That's great. But if the only game you're going to use as your criteria is the Super Bowl, and I know that's a great big game and all, but listen, as big as the Super Bowl is, there are a lot of other games that need to be played to get to the Super Bowl. So I don't know what world the Cincinnati Bengals live in, um, unless I missed it where Roger Goodell just, you know, kind of like like uh, in college football before the playoff, the four-team playoff system, where you just like pick, and, you, you pick which two teams are going to be in the championship. Did Roger Goodell just give the Bengals the Super Bowl bid already? Because you got to play 17 regular season games and some uh, some playoff games as well. And I don't know if Orlando Brown is going to live up to that contract on a consistent basis. He's had a couple great games. He had that last year. I had a good stretch, a little, a, a small stretch at one point. The guy is not a consistently good pass blocker. Okay? He just allowed seven pressures in the AFC Championship game. And by the way, Bengals fans, you know, these they think that Chiefs fans are trashing Odell, or I'm sorry, Orlando Brown Jr. because he left the Chiefs. No, you idiots. We've been criticizing him since his debut. And I know Bengals fans know who Miles Garrett is. And Orlando Brown Jr.'s Chiefs debut, they went up against the Browns. And he allowed five pressures against Miles Garrett. Oh, but Farzine, Miles Garrett is a great uh, pass rusher. Okay. But Orlando Brown Jr. has been asking top dollar at that position for a couple of years now. You can't be asking for top dollar and then not show up against the best pass rushers in the NFL. You can't be doing that. Bengals fans, listen. You think you signed uh, Willie Rofe? Great. I think that. Because Chiefs fans are going to be the ones laughing when Joe Burrow is going to be running for his life. It's funny. Um, there's a Piss at Bengals podcast coming after me on Twitter uh, which, by the way, Bengals fans, I really hope there are better options at um, at uh, podcasting for your team. Because if that's the best Bengals podcast, boy, your online contact has to fucking suck. Uh, but anyway, uh, this uh, Bengals podcast is trying to convince me that if Orlando, or if um, if Orlando Brown Jr. played for the Bengals the last couple of years, then he. <laughs> I can't say this with a straight face. He thinks Joe Burrow would have more rings than Patrick Mahomes by now. Listen, I know for a damn fact, I know there are a lot of stupid people out there, but there's no way you think that. There's no way you truly believe that. Okay? Um, the numbers don't lie. Okay? A stat like a stat like sacks, sacks allowed, yeah, that can be masked when you have a mobile quarterback. When you have a stat like QB pressures allowed and QB hurries allowed, yeah, that speaks for itself. Orlando Brown had allowed more pressures than any offensive tackle in football. Number two, 
at that same position was also a chief. By the way, they're both gone. Why do you think they're both gone? This is not, this isn't hard. This is I mean this is not rocket science. No mental gymnastics are required for this. Yeah, I, I agree with you, Charlene. They know absolutely nothing. These are the same Bengals fans that criticized Mahomes for that ankle injury because everyone thought that Mahomes was like done for uh, before the AFC Championship game. Yet they saw him in practice. So Bengals fans are criticizing Mahomes, saying he faked an injury. Oh boy, you want to talk about faking injuries? Let's talk about when the Chiefs and Bengals played in December. The injury that a Bengals defender faked because they had 12 or 13 players on the field. Uh, I posted that and Bengals fans did not appreciate that at all. They tried to sugarcoat that as well. Um, hey, listen, I'm not the one that's mad. I want to be the one laughing when they're all wrong. Um, it's going to be hilarious to see. Bengals fans, you are in for a rude awakening. Have fun with Odell Beckham Jr. And please, for crying out loud, people, stop using Pro Bowls as a criteria or some measurement uh, to determine who, whether a player is good or not. Do you know who made the Pro Bowl this year? Tyler Huntley. Okay? Tyler freaking Huntley made the Pro Bowl. I don't know. I don't get it. Uh, the Pro Bowl is a fucking joke. Okay? Um, I was at a restaurant when the Pro Bowl was on. And I'm, I'm watching this on TV. I'm like, who the fuck is watching this? Like, you really must have nothing to do with your time if you even turn that shit on. I mean, the Pro Bowl is a joke. The game itself is already a joke. The voting process is even worse. I mean, seriously, do you think that... And I'm just going to throw a name out there. Do you think Josh Allen, because... The uh, the players vote on this as well. Do you think Josh Allen really knows who the five best offensive linemen are in the AFC and in the NFC? No. He's way too damn busy worrying about his own thing. Now, everyone can tell you who the best running back is, the best receiver, the best tight end, the best pass rushers based on yards, touchdowns, sacks, interceptions, tackles for, for linebackers, all those things. Okay. But offensive linemen, I mean, their stats are not out there unless you're subscribed to Pro Football Focus or, you know, any of these other stats um, that charge you for some of these rare uh, numbers that you don't get to see often. So, um, it, it's funny. I, I listened to um, Orlando Brown Jr.'s ESPN interview yesterday that he did. And he's talking about how the hardest thing being in Kansas City was one-on-ones. It's like, first of all, way to just spit in the face of your teammate, Jarek McKinnon, who helped you not allow a sack in the playoffs. Um, I mean, that was a joke. By the way, I mean, the, you want to talk about journalism dying? The the, the host and the analyst on set interviewing um, uh, Orlando Brown Jr. I keep wanting to say Odell Beckham Jr. They're... they're uh, introducing him, oh, four-time Pro Bowler, and he just made the Pro Bowl again, and he just won another Super Bowl. He's the best at his position. What? I mean, these these are analysts, paid analysts on ESPN that are hyping. I mean, they're acting like this guy is um, that this guy is uh, Willie Rofe or some shit, he, I mean, or, or Trent Williams. Like, really? Are you kidding me? I did not see his get-up interview, no. Um, I, I have no interest in watching that. I'm sure they all kissed his ass. 
you know, it's funny. ESPN has Bart Scott. Bart Scott was not holding back whatsoever when he interviewed McCole Hardman, basically saying that, you know, his team was going to miss the playoffs and that uh, the Chiefs were going to be bad and that he was going to be bad. But for whatever reason, ESPN loves to kiss Orlando Brown Jr.'s ass. Um, that's interesting. Um I mean, I, I've given you the numbers. I even posted the clip. I mentioned that Pissant Bengals podcast. Uh, I, I I actually showed like a clip of him allowing Mahomes to get hurt in the playoffs. And then against the Colts, Mahomes snaps the ball. Uh, or calls for the snap, I should say. And Orlando Brown Jr. barely gets touched by the defender and just falls flat on his back. It's like, dude... This is who you really think you, I mean, you, 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 you think this is your elite solution at left tackle? Have fun with it. Because um, this only helps the Chiefs. Because to me, the Bengals are the biggest competition in the AFC to the Chiefs. But if you got Orlando Brown Jr., whew, um, I really do look forward to George Karloftis beating the hell out of Orlando Brown Jr. I'm looking forward to that matchup already. Uh, yeah, Kansas City is going to be hosting a different team in the AFC Championship, folks. Yeah. And even if it is the Bengals again, no worries. I mean, you'll just, you if Orlando Brown is still the guy, they will for sure use uh, him to try to get to Joe Burrow. Uh, no question about it. Ezekiel Elliott cut by the Cowboys after seven seasons. Um... You know, Dak Prescott, he entered the NFL with Ezekiel Elliott, and he kind of expressed how his sadness losing him. I understand that. Uh, I heard, um, what's the former Cowboy? I, his name escapes my mind right now. Who does uh, commentary with Joe Buck? Uh, Troy Aikman. Troy Aikman also was uh, doing some interviews with, uh, with the media, and he even expressed his sadness, saying that, you know, this is a locker room leader, but you got to make your choice at the end of the day. As a rookie, Elliott averaged 108 yards per game. That average gradually dropped over the years. And in 2022, he averaged 58 yards a game. Uh, Look, Zeke was a monster at one point. I mean, him and Dak coming in at the same time. If I'm not mistaken, for AP Offensive Player of the Year, it was between Dak and Zeke. Two guys on the same team. I'm sorry. AP Offensive Rookie of the Year. It was between those two guys. So, to me, I agree with you, Liz. Yeah, Burrow's going to be running for his life. Like, these Browns or Bengals fans that think they signed, like, this, you know, all-pro guy, um, they are in for a rude awakening. Let me just, you know, I mentioned um, I mentioned uh, Pro Bowls and how big of a joke they are. Let me uh, let me read you guys something. Let's be completely honest here. Which one has more weight, Pro Bowls or All Pro? All Pro honors. Orlando Brown has been to four Pro Bowls. He has never once been named to the All Pro team. You tell me what's more significant. Pro Bowls are all pro. I know some players have it in their contracts that if they make the Pro Bowl, like I remember Eric Fisher, um, it was in his contract that if he made the Pro Bowl, he gets an additional, I think it was $25,000 to make the Pro Bowl. I don't know 
uh, if GMs are still doing this, because the Pro Bowl voting is a joke. I mean, it is pretty easy to, uh, like, the Chiefs, okay? They win a lot of games, so they end up getting some some guys that just get to the Pro Bowl. for People were shocked when Eric Fisher got a Pro Bowl bid over Mitchell Schwartz. Mitchell Schwartz was... He was tabbed as the offensive lineman of the year. He never went to a Pro Bowl. Uh, let me look at Mitchell Schwartz real quickly, too. So Mitchell Schwartz, I mentioned, never been to a Pro Bowl. He's been named first-team All-Pro once, second-team All-Pro three times, all of them as a member of the Chiefs, from 2016 to 2020. Uh, excuse me, 2016 to 2019. Uh, 2020, he missed a lot of games due to uh, injuries. Um, yeah. I, I, I mean, it's a joke. The guy was a great right tackle. Maybe even the best offensive lineman in the NFL. Never once made the Pro Bowl. So get out of here with that uh, with that Pro Bowl shit. But anyway, going back to Zeke, it's just, man, um, the guy was probably a fan favorite early on. I'm sure, you know, he, there were a lot of Cowboys fans that got his jersey and Dak's jersey. Um, but unfortunately, at the end of the day, the guy just, got worse and worse over the years, was becoming less and less productive over time. And you just got to, at the end of the day, cut ties with him and move on and find someone else. I still think the Cowboys need a better quarterback. I really do. Uh, I don't think Dak's the answer. Um, maybe a better run, running back? I don't, I, don't, I don't know. Maybe that could be their answer. I, I'm not sure. All right, the NCAA tournament. We've had a couple of big upsets. Virginia lost to Furman. Be honest. How many of you guys can tell me in just a couple of seconds where Furman is located? Furman University. I have no idea. I'm Googling this right now. Furman University is located in Greenville, South Carolina. Average A, uh, uh, A $33,000. Graduation rate, 80%. Acceptance rate, 71%. And they are moving on to the round of 32. Good on them. That Virginia player that just threw that weird sidearm pass. It's like, man, you know, if you hold that ball for just one more second, and I think the coach even admitted it in his ESPN radio interview, he was about to call his players to foul. So it's crazy, man. And, and, you know, to throw a wild pass like that in desperation, like if there's one second left and your worst free throw shooter has the ball, yeah, do it to to prevent uh, the, the the free throw uh, process there. But, man, to, to just throw the ball like that carelessly, it's like, what are you doing? And then Arizona. Dude, what the hell was Arizona doing in this game? Um. Excuse me. Against Princeton. I saw a stat out there that with four minutes and some odd seconds left. Arizona had 55 points on the scoreboard and they finished with 55 points. Let me uh, pull that exact um, stat up there because I want this to be accurate here. Yeah, so at, uh, hold on, which one's Arizona? Which one's Princeton? Okay, Arizona's on the left, or to the right, as uh, to what I'm reading. 
Yeah, so at the 4-minute and 45-minute mark, with 4 minutes and 45 minutes left in the game, they scored their 55th point um, off, a, off a layup to make it 55-50 Arizona. They did not score again for the rest of the game. So for 4 minutes and 45 seconds, they went scoreless. And listen, I know basketball, you see some runs happen to good teams and to bad teams. But if you're in the tournament and you're the two seed and you go four minutes and 45 seconds without any kind of a score, what the hell was the game plan in the last five minutes? That's what I want to know. They need to fire Mike McCarthy first. Again, I mentioned this with Peyton Manning and uh, Caldwell. Aaron Rodgers made Mike McCarthy look good in Green Bay, didn't he? Brett Favre and Mike uh, and Aaron Rodgers. Because Mike McCarthy was there a very long time. He was there a very long time. Joe's asking, is this, are the Chiefs going to sign Jarek McKinnon? Yeah, I answered this earlier, Joe. So I, I, I'm guessing you joined a little late, and that's okay. Um, I'm, I'm optimistic that they will. Jarek McKinnon was re-signed late in last year's offseason. I don't know why. I don't know if that was ever answered or, or talked about or what. But I think, um, I think there's a chance he uh, comes back. I'm optimistic. I'm fine with Juju going. McKinnon, man, you got to do what you can to keep him. You got to keep him. You you 100% need him. I still think offensive line needs to be priority number one. But if you can keep Jarek McKinnon, oh boy, that's a dangerous running back duo right there with Isaiah Pacheco. Um, so I really hope McKinnon stays. Um, my answer is yes. My answer is yes. Uh, real quickly, UFC, I don't know what number it is. UFC 286, I think it's it's this weekend. Feels like the UFC's been doing a lot of pay-per-views lately. I don't know who's throwing all this money out there, but to get all these UFC pay-per-views, but I suppose someone is. Uh, we got a big rematch: Leon Edwards and Kamaru Usman, the trilogy. Um, but more so, a lot of people talking about the last fight. Leon Edwards pulled off a major upset, got dominated the first four rounds, and with what a minute left, had that head kick. Delivered to Usman to become the UFC welterweight champion. Something that no one thought was possible. I like Edwards. I really do. That underdog story is is awesome. Um, his story to the top. His rise. All that. Great story. I just don't know if he can do it a second time. Kamaru Usman. What he does with his wrestling. And his striking. I mean, there's a reason why people dodged Kamaru Usman for such a long time. But because he was the champion for a while, fighters had no choice but to fight him if they wanted to become the champion. So um, I think Usman's going to gonna win the uh, win the belt back for sure. Justin Gaethje is going to be fighting on this card. He is going to be going up against... Rafael Fizeev, I'll be honest, I'm not the most familiar with him. I believe he is from Kazakhstan. Um, we talked about Borat a little earlier on in this podcast, so that's kind of funny. Uh, underrated fighter for sure. Uh, Justin Gaethje, man, this guy's a reckless fighter. Great fighter, but can be a little reckless at times. Um, I don't know, man. I don't know how I feel about this. I really like Justin Gaethje. I hope he comes up with, uh, victorious in this one. I'm going to go with Justin Gaethje. I say Justin Gaethje wins on Saturday in London. So those are my picks for the main event and the co-main event. Usman and Gaethje 
for uh, Saturday's pay-per-view, UFC 286. Last thing I want to discuss here. You guys watch The Last of Us? Boy, um, I'll tell you what. As a big fan of the game, I love the game. The ending, not a big fan of. And the non-gamers felt the same way for the end of Season 1. But man, um, I'll tell you what. For those of you that are non-gamers, give Season 2 a chance. Now, I'm hearing rumors that Season 2 is going to be different from the second game. Uh, the Last of Us has come out with two games, Part 1 and Part 2. Uh, boy, I don't know. Uh, I don't, I don't want to give anything away, but if they are going to go a different path with the TV show for Season 2, I can uh, understand that. Uh, if you're a gamer and you played the second game, you can probably understand why. So again, no spoilers. I don't want to give anything away. If you haven't watched the show, man, you've got to. Uh, if you're into the whole zombie apocalyptic uh, theme, like The Walking Dead, Z Nation, uh, World War Z, um, it, it, it's a great show, The Last of Us. It's a fantastic show. In fact, the, the, the story doesn't really revolve around zombies all that much. It, it's more story-driven than action-driven. So that is one thing to keep in mind. I, it's a great series, uh, and a lot of people love it. They scored big ratings, even though the Oscars were on that same night, so... I was really happy to see, as, as a big fan of that franchise, I was happy to see them do well that night because I was a little worried about the ratings and all that. So, if you haven't, check it out. Season finale uh, and the entire season. 10 out of 10 from me. 100%. Alright, I'm going to get out of here. You guys all know the social media. Facebook.com slash Farzivasugian. At Farzin21 on Twitter. At Farzivasugian on Instagram. If you haven't done so already, subscribe to the podcast. We're on Apple Google, Spotify, just search for Farscast. We are everywhere. Uh, this is going to be the last podcast for uh, for a couple of weeks. I am going to be on vacation. It is going to be my brother's birthday, so I'm going to enjoy that with him on the road. Enjoy the rest of March Madness, man. It's uh, these 96 hours, the first 96 hours of the tournament, uh, maybe the best in all of sports, um, for sure. Uh, so enjoy these uh, 96 hours this weekend. If you can, I'm out of here. My name is Farzim Vasugian. You guys take care. Appreciate all of you who joined the live version. If you miss any part of the uh, live version, the archive version is going to be available uh, shortly on uh, Apple, Spotify, Google, everywhere. So check it out. You guys enjoy. Take care. Talk to you guys in a couple weeks.